So this morning, um, we are going to be in Psalm chapter 7. With Pastor Manuel on sabbatical, you're stuck with your former assistant pastor for several weeks. And so we're going to be in Psalm 7 today, and next week we're going to be in Psalm chapter 8. But before we get into the Psalms, let me pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have gathered us together this morning, that we can hear your word, that we can call out to you at all times in our life, that you hear our prayers because of the blood of Jesus. And we pray, Lord, now that you would speak by your spirit through your word. Meet us where we need you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Psalm chapter 7, it says this, uh, A shagion of David which he sang to the Lord concerning the words of Cush the Benjamite. A shagion of David. Now, we don't know exactly what a shagion was. Your footnotes in your Bible say it was probably a musical or liturgical term. Um, but we think it comes from the, the Hebrew word shagar, which is like to wander. It's a, it's a form of a lament. It's a lament. And when I think of like a wandering lament, I think sometimes of like certain types of classical music. Um, there's, a, there's a song that I really like from this composer called uh, Vaughn Williams. And in Vaughn Williams' uh, song, it's one called uh, The Lark Ascending. And in The Lark Ascending, it's about this lark, which is a bird, and it's uh, over this, this water, this, this lake, and it rises with the heights of joy in this violin concerto, and it goes high, but then it, it also goes down deep to the low and to the, to the depths that we experience in our feelings. This is what lament is in our life. It leads us to the depths low down so that we can then go high and feel the hope and joy that we also have in the gospel. Now, uh, Shagion, it might also... Um, means something else. Uh, there's a commentator named J.D. Blanco who says that um, it might be the Hebrew word for the Spanish word cumbia. Uh, if you know cumbia, you know cumbia is one of those things where it's the, saw, it, it, it's the form of music where you could be singing about the saddest types of things out there, and yet you're still dancing and you're still moving your body. Right? Like, uh, nunca es suficiente para mí. Porque siempre quiero más de ti, right? <laughs> or there's other ones too. That's, uh, that's what we listen to the most in our, in our house. But that's exactly what lament is. It's that you can cry out your heart to God, wandering in the depths of what you're going through, but you still hold on to the hope that we have in the gospel. That's biblical lament in our lives, is that we feel the depths of sorrow. You feel it, but you just keep on going. You keep on moving. You keep on dancing, even when it's hard. This psalm is a song of lament. It's a, it's a song of complaint about what's going on. It's a complaint against unrighteousness. It's a complaint against wickedness, which is a major theme in the beginning of this book of Psalms. Complaint against these things. The first two psalms in Psalm are about introductions. And the next four psalms, three, four, five, six, and seven, these are all psalms of lament. So the book of Psalm opens with a lament. In fact, 70, over half of the psalms in the Bible, are psalms of lament. 
remember in the book of James, it says this, be wretched and weep and mourn. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. And here's the thing, we often, this is what I have felt this year. Sometimes I think, yeah, like I've been doing that this year. I've been doing that a lot. Can I just like move on and, and do something different now? Can we move on? But we forget that this is the way life always is. There are always hardships. There are always struggles that we face. There are always challenges. And so there's always going to be lament in our life. Always. There's always going to be complaint. But for us as Christians, it is a lament with hope in God. With hope in God. And in Psalm chapter 7, I want you to see that the very first thing that we can see here is that we can boldly call on the Lord our God to deliver us from those who pursue us, from our pursuers. We can boldly call upon the Lord. Look at this in verse 1. He says this in the second part of verse 1. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, O God. And then you look down further in verses 6, and uh, it says this. Arise, O Lord. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake. Awake up for me. You have appointed a judgment. You hear that repetition in verse 6 there? Get up, O Lord. Get out of bed, Lord, is what what he's saying. Wake up for me. That is a bold complaint that David is bringing to the Lord his God. This is in fact a, it is, it is what righteous prayer to God looks like sometimes in our life. David here, he's vocalizing for us. What he's vocalizing for us is that there is a passionate desire that we may have for God to correct what is wrong in our life and in the world and what is unjust. And this is the first point that we see from this psalm. The, psalm. the psalms, David, the Lord gives us voice to call on the Lord that we can complain to Him to protect us. We can protest to Him to deliver us from those who pursue us. Maybe you may say, I could never pray to God that way. I could never boldly complain to Him about things in my life. But I want you to know first and foremost that yes, you can. You and I, we can complain to the Lord because here's the thing. You and I know that our prayers at their best are all mixed up and confused with selfish and muddled things that we pray to Him. We admit that. But in Jesus Christ, your and my prayers, He takes our complaints. He takes the messed up prayers that we give Him and He cleans them up and He brings them to the Father who listens to us as our Father, as He listens to Christ Jesus, his fa- uh, as the Father listens to Christ Jesus. Verse 1a, it says, He is the Lord your God, your refuge. So you can complain to Him. You can bring your complaints boldly to the Lord. But also you may say, I can never pray to God boldly and complaining to Him about things in my life. I would say, if you think that way, that's probably why you and I, we complain to everybody else about the problems that we have in our life. See, when we're under so much pressure, 
we vent and we vent and get things off of our chest. And here's the thing. You and I, we complain and we're going to complain to somebody. So if you don't lodge your complaint to the Most High God, you and I, we will spread it everywhere else. But here we see in the Psalms, in this Psalm, that the Lord directs our voice to call upon Him. We can call upon Him to complain, to protest about our pursuers. That's what he says in verse 6. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Save me from them. So the follow-up question we have to ask is, who are our pursuers? Who are our pursuers? Verse 2. Save me from all my pursuers, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart. Rending it in pieces with none to deliver. Who are our pursuers? Who is our pursuer? In the ancient world, the lion was a symbol for the most powerful of the carnivores. In the Psalms and the prophets, they symbolize wickedness sometimes. Just as lions would rip up our body, the psalmist is saying that there is a true wicked pursuer, the most powerful forces of evil that would tear our souls apart. Who is that? What is that? in our life. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. As First Peter tells us, it says, be watchful, be sober-minded. Your adversary, the devil is around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Who is our pursuer? Our greatest pursuer is the evil one. And you think about it, 